Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, uh, center the Lakers might have pursued. JaVale McGee is off the board. We'll explain next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. It's always going to be free, never behind a paywall. Locked On Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to hang out with over 20,000 subscribers to the channel, uh, all of whom, Andy, are wondering who the Lakers are going to sign to fill this backup center spot or backup to the backup, uh, if everything goes well with Jackson Hayes, I suppose. Um, one name that was out there, and not for very long, JaVale McGee. Uh, released by the Dallas Mavericks, there was some uh, Andy, some some speculation as to whether or not the Lakers would be interested, um, and the answer was apparently no, um, or at the very least, they weren't interested fast enough because uh, Javale McGee, according to Chris Haynes, is heading to Sacramento. Yeah, and he actually really fits a need for Sacramento. Like they don't really have a lot of size on the team; they don't have a lot of shot blocking. Like, and you know, Demonis Sabonis, who is one of their best players and, you know, he's an all NBA caliber team. He still doesn't do some of the things at center that you would look for from, you know, the, traditionally at that position and certainly not when it comes to rim protection, things like that. You know, maybe he ends up a better fit with the Kings than he was with Dallas. They certainly play more at a tempo that could suit JaVale more. We actually got, um, a comment on the YouTube section from Markeith uh, Moore that he thought that JaVale would actually do better with the Lakers than Dallas simply because Dallas was one of the slowest teams in the league. And I will admit, I had not considered that when you and I were talking about um, why we were not wild at the prospect of bringing in JaVale. I'm still not crazy about it or feeling like the Lakers lost out on some big opportunity, to be clear, but just that part of it was not something I actually had considered. Just the idea that JaVale was a truly bad fit with Dallas. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, I mean, obviously it's a mood point now um, that because he's not coming here, but it, it, this gets to the the sort of the, 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 the challenge the Lakers have. It's like, you know, JaVale isn't a perfect fit you know, in most places where you might need him to fill like a significant role, there's a good chance that even if he was misused in in Dallas and the, the circumstances weren't ideal and all that other stuff, that, you know, he's 35 now, 34, 35, you know, a guy whose game was based and has been based on kind of a, 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 a freakish athleticism. Um, as much as an evolve, you know, to go along with, you know, a, a, a good understanding of the game and, um, you know, great attitude, you know, great teammate and all that kind of stuff. But his effectiveness on the court is is based a lot in athleticism. If that starts to go, it's not like he's left with, you know, this rich bag of tricks offensively for him to engage with. So, frankly, yeah, defensively. I mean, you know, he's yeah, not both, somebody, both. You know, he's not somebody that you, you know, want switching out, you know, ISO, you know, at the top of at the top of the arc, something like that. Like, you know, JaVale is he can be effective as a lane deterrent or certainly as a shot blocker. And again, Sacramento really 
needs that. They were one of the worst shot blocking teams in the league last year. But versatility is not the name of JaVale's game defensively. He's also, you know, for, for those asking who are you going to bring in to, you know, to deal with Nikola Jokic, and I think the answer proved last year was there's nobody right. like in the league, but that's also not what JaVale really does either. And we saw that three years ago in this in the series against Denver in the Western Conference Finals in the bubble. JaVale started playing less because ultimately that became Dwight Howard's role. Like JaVale is a big, imposing presence, but he's never been terribly physical no. that way. There's a difference. No, no, no. Um, and like I said, it, it 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 answers the question of whether or not the Lakers um, would be interested in kicking the tires on JaVale. And the answer was it was no, because, or at the very least, they were going to make him wait because he he signed really quickly or came to an agreement to go to Sacramento really quickly. It's smart for JaVale. Like, don't don't wait around. Don't try to, you know, he's had a great career. Um, you don't want to end up somewhere you know, uh, some sort of, you know, crappy team with nothing to play for where they're probably going to trade you or this or that or whatever halfway through the year. Sacramento is a great spot for a veteran player like that looking to play meaningful basketball, um, you know, over the last year or two of his career. So good for him. But at the very least, it says for sure that the Lakers regarded McGee as lesser than the other guys that might be out there because they thought he was better unless JaVale just chose to go to Sacramento over the Lakers. Um, the, the Lakers wouldn't make him that kind of, you know, they didn't move fast enough. They, you know, somebody, somebody else was clearly a higher priority, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, I think we know who the priorities are at this point. It's been pretty well reported. It's either Christian Wood or Bismack Biombo. I think those are the two guys that the Lakers are earmarking. And frankly, those are both, even as somebody who is not wild at the idea of bringing in Christian Wood, you know, I would rather bring in Biombo. I would bring in either one of them before I bring in JaVale. And, you know, I, I love JaVale when we covered him. I think he's been a great story. He's been a great sort of career redemption and like reputation redemption over the course of his career. But yeah. I would bring in Wood or Biombo before easily before JaVale. Yeah, it was funny. Like one of the, the best headlines I saw of this thing with JaVale uh, going to Sacramento was three-time champion JaVale McGee to sign with um, to sign with with the Kings. And I was like, that's cool. You know, for a guy who went from like a, a meme maybe before they were but like you know the shack and the fool kind of thing to be seen put in a headline as three-time nba champion is he's had one of the coolest um career changes and you know we talked about kwame brown by the way he also won an olympic gold that's true um we talked about kwame brown as being somebody that you know the the gap between the person we met versus the person we were expecting was as wide as any player that, that I've ever encountered in not just basketball, just any, any sport that I've ever covered. Um, I can't say the same is true for JaVale because I knew more about, you know, the reporting and there was more written about him and, and his influence in, anyway, in, in golden gonna, state and all that kind was, of stuff. Yeah. So I wasn't surprised by that, but in terms of the, if you want to be, if you want to kind of just think of a, a person who changed the narrative changed the the way that people talk about him in an incredibly positive way. It's hard to come up with guys um, 
more than JaVale and guys who deserve it more because I loved having a chance to cover him. He's a super great dude. Yeah, yeah, really, really funny, really smart. Um, again, good for him. I think he'll – I don't think he's going to have a big role in Sacramento, but I think he has an opportunity for a role. And if nothing else, like I said, there's nobody on this team that really does what he does. And, you know, they they were lacking rim protection last season. So right. And they lost – not that he was a huge rim protector, but they lost like Rashawn Holmes. Yeah. Like they've had some turnover there. Um, it just it does point to like the Lakers have a unique challenge here when it comes to filling that spot because it's somebody that they both need to be able to play big minutes where needed, but also need to be able to handle not being played big minutes because they might not. And so, you know, finding that guy, that's why I think, you know, Biombo is somebody who makes sense because you know exactly what you're getting. You can certainly handle, you know. 22 minutes, 23 minutes a game. Christian Wood obviously is used to playing those kinds of minutes. Um, so we'll see where the Lakers go. This does not seem like anything that's going to resolve itself particularly quickly. Um, and it, it may uh, not resolve itself until James Harden and or Damian Lillard are traded. Right. I, I, I or until the Lakers say we can't wait any longer, but we're not or until right, or until Wood or Biombo say, like, this is the thing. Like JaVale is is taking the opportunity to go somewhere quickly now he also javel has the advantage of not needing to get paid because the mavericks are taking care of that for him so it's there's less of a financial thing going on there whereas wood is trying to squeeze more out of that you know out of that rock or whatever it might be um anyway so you're right this could take a while to resolve itself interesting uh gm ranking came out with uh yahoo it's 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 september late august interesting is one way to put it yes um i respect the effort here um and uh we'll we'll get into where does rob polinka rank we'll get into it next Locked on Lakers is brought to you by FanDuel, and it's time to get ready for the NFL season. It is coming really, really soon. That you got an incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet five bucks, just five bucks, and you get two hundred dollars in bonus bets guaranteed. You can use those bonus bets on spreads, on player props, over unders, futures, so much more. And all customers, all of them who bet five dollars, will get a hundred bucks off on NFL Sunday ticket. From YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. App is really easy to use. You're going to love the experience. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. All right. So uh, over at Yahoo, uh, Ben Rohrbach um, has you know, took a stab at uh, GM rankings. It's it's rankings time of year. That's where we are in the NBA calendar. Ranking um, season with a Z? Right. Yeah, it, and he did it in a way that I respect the, the effort to try something different. He kind of tried to combine basketball with baseball, sort of a sabermetric yeah. thing. He did things in terms of like, kind of came up with a metric to the equivalent of like on base percentage and slugging percentage and OPS and Trying to make it more fun and, and something interesting for the offseason. I am not here. doesn't totally work. I am not here to pick on Ben Rohrbach for you know doing the same thing that that all of us are doing, which is trying to make stuff interesting at a at a at a tough time of year. Um, but there's some interesting stuff in it to me, at least, Andy, about where the GMs in this ranking uh, land. 
And particularly when you start to think about the criteria and the way we look at guys and what they have to work with and all that kind of stuff. He has Rob Palenka based on this formula that he's using as the 15th best GM in basketball. Um, so, I mean, quite literally right in the middle there. Um, and it's based on a few different things. There's draft picks and how those have landed and trades and success with free agents. And when you look at the Lakers, what stuck out to me was when you look at the Lakers, both how, how, how few draft picks Rob Palenka has had really to work with. Um, that I guess you would call purely his own because when he first came in, like, Lonzo, Kyle Kuzma, right. Josh Hart, those are technically, I guess, considered the magic. Magic. Yeah. So I think that's, I think he's, he's, Ben was only using Palenka from 2019. So correct. It, it, it was post magic. Right. Um, so the only draft picks here are THT and um, Max Christie. Um, and obviously this year's guys who aren't part of that. You look at the trades and it's Anthony Davis and it's Rui Hachimura and it's the, you know, the, the deadline deal with Beasley Vanderbilt and D'Angelo. Um, and then, you know, Oh, the Russell Westbrook deal and the Patrick Beverly deal and the Dennis Schroeder deal. And it's, it's just like the, to me, this list, and it's a little bit incomplete and I disagree with some of the categorizations of it, but it really reminded me of how specific in a lot of ways being GM of the Lakers has sort of traditionally been um, big swings at free agents, giant trades for superstars, not a lot of draft picks to work with and all that kind of stuff. And we've talked a lot about, you know, maybe the Lakers are kind of turning a corner because they've had what most people would consider to be a normal teams off season. I'm wondering if they did this ranking in like five years in the same kind of way, if if the the stuff might shift a little bit, like the Lakers' profile might look a little different. Um, that's what stuck out to me, at least. Okay, well, I mean, it's hard to know exactly what they're going to look like in five years. I mean, it, it's difficult to have that conversation. I mean, Rob, Rob Palinka right now, I think, is in pretty good standing among Laker fans, but I don't think that standing – is in pen. I think it's in pencil. I think it can be fluid, just like everything with as demanding a fan base as the Laker <laughs> fan base is. You know, you are always one misstep away from people calling for your head. Um, as far as the evaluation of this, because that's ultimately how Palinka landed in the middle, I preface this by saying I know Ben Rarbeck's work, I respect it, he, he's good. I think his methodology here, like you said, the using a formula where you're looking at different trades or free agency transaction draft picks is like a home run, a single, a double, a triple. Right. He's trying to make it like baseball. Right. Um, I frankly thought that he evaluated a lot of these very strange. Um, mm -hmm. and it, you know, it brought out, I guess, the the Laker fan in me in ways that all of a sudden started getting me to put on my cape for Rob Belinka, which, you know, I guess this is where you really know you're a fan because all of a sudden it brings that out of me. But, no, like, but I, there were, I, I'm, I'm not even necessarily caping for the guy, but I agree with you. There were some like, notable, but, but also too, like got the evaluation wrong. And the, and the reason this stands out to me isn't necessarily to argue with Ben as much as it is to speak to how all of our evaluations of, 
execs around the league or you know, good trade, bad trade, good pick, bad pick, whatever. Like, I guess a lot of it has to do with like the prism through you're looking at or how you're evaluating. Give, like me, Dennis, give me an example because I'm wondering if I will some give of you your many. examples. Yeah, I will I'm give wondering you, if they match up with mine. I will give you many because I have a long <laughs> list. There was a lot here that, it, frankly, I thought was just bizarre. For example, Dennis Schroeder in 2022, his recent stint, was labeled a single. I don't know how a guy who went from veteran minimum guys struggling to get paid to playing well enough to get 11 mil per season on top of the way Schroeder played this year and his help getting a team to the Western Conference Finals. I don't know how that's a single. That makes no, no sense to me. At Danny Green. Minimum, that was a fantastic right. signing. That worked out really well. Right. Danny Green, um, the free agency signing of him was – given just a single, like he was a starter on a championship team. Like unless you're dinging Rob Palinka, as I've said before, like the idea that he got lucky that Danny Green was specifically waiting for Kawhi to make a decision. And that's the only reason he was available while the Lakers were waiting. Like you get a starter for a championship team. That has to be at least a double. It just has to be. I don't know how Alex Caruso, who was an undrafted free agent, went from undrafted free agent to High-end rotation player on a championship team. He's called a double. That's a triple or a home run. The home run. When you no, consider the context. Run. Like, run. That is a and, home run. Like, and Austin Reeves, also considered a double. He's an undrafted free agent who in two seasons appears to be at worst a high-end starter. At best, a potential He's playing for All-Star. Team USA right now. Right. That That's an effing home run. Like, for yeah. that matter, the Beasley D'Lo Vando trade was considered a single. Unless you're docking Palinka for having to fix his own mistake, he fixed it to the tune of a Western Conference Finals trip. Like it was a trade that propelled the Lakers from below 500 all season to third round of the playoffs. Like Malik Monk was given a single last year. He played well enough to resuscitate his career. And like if Lonnie Walker was considered a single, Malik Monk has to be a double. <laughs> like, and I... THT was considered a strikeout. He was a strikeout in the sense that they chose wrongly between him and Alex Caruso. But any 46th pick who is at worst a, a low-end rotation player in the NBA who can actually stay in the NBA, that's at least – that's at minimum a walk. If not, a, I'd say it's a single. Most, the level setting to what is appropriate for each type of transaction you're making. The fact that the Lakers on this list are being graded on two undrafted free agents in and of itself means that those guys have been tremendous successes because I am, without looking at the list, I am willing to bet that most teams didn't have all the players that they signed as undrafted free agents listed in this thing a second round pick like you say that makes a roster that gets a second contract that look nobody quite knows what to do with THT and like he would be the ultimate fantasy player on like some sort of crappy you know Washington Wizards like team or something where he can just kind of be like big stats guy on a bad team okay fine but like the guy is going to be in the NBA for a few more seasons. Like he's going to have a, a really solid NBA career. 
there's one other question that I want to ask about Palinka, and you alluded to it with the the idea of like for the Russell trade, for example, was he being dinged for undoing the mistake that he made? <laughs> that one got a strikeout. And for the record, I totally agree with Ben on that one. That was terrible, terrible. Yeah, but like ben, that's like, but like that's but that's what I was getting at earlier. Ben like, nailed Lakers, that one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the Lakers though, it's like the impact of that. Like, not all strikeouts are created equal. That's a strikeout with like the bases loaded in game seven and two outs and whatever, you know, and you lose, you know, you, you lose the world series, not all strikeouts. That's the other strikeouts are third inning in June against the pirates, you know, in the second game of three game series. Um, th that's what, I, you know, like the Lakers have these gigantic swings and these gigantic moments of like, if you went back a little further, like their free agent signings. Oh yeah. Well, one of them is LeBron. Like that's gonna improve your grade as a franchise. They didn't have much to do with that. You know, you trade for Anthony Davis, that is gonna improve your batting average. Um, and ironically, that was the easiest thing for me. Easiest to thing do. he ever did. <laughs> no question. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's one of the only trades that you and I could have completed. You know, at the end we absolutely. Um, but there's one so there I it's, it is such a unique thing to be the general manager of the Lakers. Um, but there's one other question I want to get to uh before uh, we're done here. So we'll do that uh, next. Do want to let people know that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. So, Andy, we've talked a lot with Rob about you know, improvement, potential improvement and stuff like that. And, you know, it is, you know, this thing again, only counts from 2019 on. Um, and um, may, I, maybe that's fair. It's hard to maybe separate and parse out what's magic versus what's Rob, what the power dynamic was there, who got final approval, whatever. Um, and there were a lot of whispers that Rob was doing more work than magic, but <laughs> I, I was, I think I was doing more work than magic. <laughs> I think I was in that facility more than he was that year. Um, but we may have been in the, we may have been there more than, more than he was. I'm not, I wasn't, I was making a joke, but I wasn't joking. We really, sense. I think we, we really, if I look more. back on it, might've been in, we the might've been there more. more. Um, and so what I think is interesting about stuff like this for guys who have been in the, in this role for a long time, you know, Mitch Kupchak was, you know, been in Charlotte for a long time and, other dudes have been in their spots for you know longer than Rob Polinka. The the resume can kind of so, so Polinka has some mistakes earlier in his in his GM tenure, whether with Magic or beyond. You know whether it's mishandling details about the AD trade to length of contracts for second rounders to um, the Marcus Saul kind of the fiasco of you know spending capital to get him, spending capital to get rid of him, like all that stuff, and then obviously Russ. But if you are moving in a trajectory, and certainly the last year has been good, like, you know, like legit good. Very good. Um, how much do the, how much, how much does it matter if he has made a bunch of mistakes that were certainly consequential and, you, you know, you bears responsibility but if he learns from them and isn't that GM anymore, do those mistakes matter when you're trying to evaluate how good of a GM he is today? 
I mean, if you're trying to evaluate how good of a GM is today, those mistakes matter because there hasn't been enough distance from those mistakes. Mm -hmm. Sure. And it's a small sample size. So it would actually be unfairly weighted towards Rob if you if you ignored more than half of his time as a GM. Oh, sure. I'm not saying, but you understand what I'm getting at. Like, Well, yeah. no, but the reason I say that is because I don't think there's enough evidence without taking into account those mistakes because they're helping you they'd help you at this point evaluate who he is because again uh -huh. he's been relatively short on the job if we're having this discussion in 2030 you know like when the lakers start having their own draft picks again and, <laughs> and you feel like there are fewer mistakes over the next six to seven years right. russell westbrook is still a big a big uh mark against Palinka at that point if that's still one of the big marks against him right if, if if that's really one of the big things you're bringing up to criticize Rob Palinkin then at that point it's like look let it go like he made a mistake he recovered from it pretty quickly it was a damaging mistake it was an avoidable mistake it was one that I know you and I spent a lot of time before it was made like waving our arms saying please don't do this Rob like seriously it's a bad idea we we didn't even think it was possible we thought it was such a bad idea like it's this is a hard job. And so, like I said, like it's weighted, like not every swing matters the same. Like, you know, the Anthony Davis trade matters more than other trades that you might make, um, even if those trades are consequential. Um, it's just I, I, I'm excited to see what comes of the next couple of seasons because the Lakers will have more of these opportunities because they are in a unique position with LeBron, um, who is, you know. It would be fair to say probably, you know, the next two years, get maybe two more years, two more seasons of, of LeBron. Maybe it goes longer than that, but um, of being in a position to decide how they're going to rebuild. And they'll be in a position perhaps to have a few more of their own picks, you know, as we move forward. And you have master recruiter, um, Alex Caruso, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Austin Reeves, you know, who can bring in some of these guys he's playing with in the World Cup. And maybe we'll that was rank a Freudian slip. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he can bring Alex Caruso back. But, um, you know, maybe we'll do a, a show on which guys we want uh, Reeves to um, prioritize when he brings them to LA. But, like, I, w this was not an offseason where the Lakers had an opportunity even to do traditionally Lakers ish stuff. And so, not unless you're going to go after Kyrie. Not unless you're going to go after Kyrie. And that was so disruptive and so obviously poorly thought out. Um, and the end result of that would have been so much less than what they currently have that it's like, no, it's like, no, it's not worth it. But in a, a season or two, they'll have the opportunity to do things that way, like where the star becomes the pursuit of stars, multiple stars becomes the chatter uh, because the cap space will be there because they'll have the assets because whatever, you know, the, whatever it might be. And that's when we'll, I think have an even better idea of, you know, what I was getting at before has Rob Polink kind of learned from the mistakes as he evolved in ways. Cause a lot of this is really, I think Andy, you can tell me if you agree. I think some of what we're talking about here is because the league has evolved away from some of the things that the Lakers have, traditionally prioritized namely stars above all else yeah absolutely and it requires rob palinka to be more you know creative more innovative more forward thinking and 
along those lines, one of the things that get, you know, again, I, I think a lot of Laker fans would say that the jury is still out big picture for Rob Palenka. How good is he? And I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. I think it's totally fair. But one of the things that does give me some optimism in terms of projecting ahead with Palenka is one of my big criticisms of early his time with the Lakers, frankly, a lot of his time with the Lakers, is I don't think he was a details guy. I think he was a very big picture, grandiose operator in terms of the way he in terms of the way he did business. And the, as you the described he, it, jazz hands of GMs. <laughs> he just well, it's not even just like the the way he spoke. I'm talking about the way he looked to build rosters. Well, that's I, what I'm I, saying. I, I'm including that too. Like everything is a flourish. Everything is big. Everything is right. Splashy. And, and I I thought that Rob missed on a lot of the smaller details, and, and the smaller details matter. This this period from acquiring Rui onward, and and really even I thought Rob did about as well even heading into the season, building the roster, giving the given the constraints that he was dealing with. What you mean granted, last going into last season? You mean going into last season? Yes, I given the constraints he was dealing with, which granted it was his own fault he was constrained, but nonetheless, I think he did about as well as he realistically could have under mm -hmm. those conditions. And then since then, again, Rui onward. I think he's done a better job looking at the big picture in those details. So again, that gives me optimism. Yeah, I, mean, I think we'll wrap here. The, the the big the big choice he made last year wasn't so much the players that he chose to acquire or not acquire versus in free agency trades, the Pat Beverly deal or whatever. It was do I pull a trigger on the Russ deal or not? Mm -hmm. And like you know, that was fundamentally that was the the choice. And he and you waited. and I. For what it's worth, both thought he was smart in how long he held off and why he held off. Yeah, I mean, and, and like, you know, there, there's an alternate universe where we could have found out what happens if you make the Indiana deal with Miles Turner right. and Buddy Heald, if that was truly an option I mean, and all that. But that was really, the, everything else is a is a outflowing of that. And at the very least, it turned out okay. So mm -hmm. um, anyway, the, the last question I will leave to people, and we'll maybe get to this next week. We're, we're going to take Labor Day off. Everybody should. You know, don't, don't work on Labor Day um, if you can avoid it. Is um, we, we, we talked about most popular athletes in L.A. and somebody sent us a list. It has Austin Reeves ahead of Anthony Davis uh, in popular L.A. athletes. I'm curious if people think that is accurate. Leave that in the comments section. Maybe we'll get into it next week. It was just something interesting that stuck out in the comments section um, from the uh, YouTube page. So uh, that was from uh, TL Marshall 21. So thank you for that comment. We'll get into maybe in the list next week. Uh, everybody have a great three-day weekend. We'll talk to everybody next week.